you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, a Fearless Business Coach. I've got a fantastic guest on today based up in Nottingham. It is social media guru, Sam Evans, the founder of Gather Social. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Well, I should say thank you for coming onto the show because um, I know you're a busy guy. You've got um, plenty of clients and things like that going on up in Nottingham. Uh, day one out of lockdown, so you're able to get out as well, which is fantastic news. Um, I'm going to kind of start with the middle. So um, obviously with Gather Social, you do a lot of work around social media. You take a very disruptive approach to it, but it's more um, about thinking disruptively about your marketplace. Explain what you mean by that. Um, you- Thinking disruptively about your marketplace, I think it, it, for us as Gamma Social, it, 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 it really looked at pricing, to be quite frank, when, when I started the business. I, I would be going to um, meetings and presenting and offering and almost getting laughed out of the room because of my price. And it, I would have got more chance of winning the work if I was 10 times the price. Um, and, it, and it came from there, really. That the, I thought about it and I was quite prepared to sort of call bullshit on stuff for want of a better description and say they can't charge you for that. It's a 10-minute job that they're like billing you a day's labor for. Um, and as a sort of growing the business's reputation, that, that model works really well with our clients, like fair, transparent pricing. We, you know, it sounds daft, but in marketing, there's a lot of it's a lot of bullshit. I mean, let's no, not yeah. beat about the bush. And, and I think a lot of the time, like marketers take advantage of the fact that their clients know very little about all the various different platforms, like how to go about marketing, the technologies that are available. So how do you try and sort of break that down for, um, for the clients which you work with? Education. Uh, education and educating them in a way that they understand. So via content. So listen to them understand what it is that they're asking you. If they don't understand your answer, provide them with a, a piece of content on the internet that is at their level that can upskill them. It's really straightforward. Really straightforward. And, it, and I, I get the impression as well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be your content either, does it? It's just a matter no. of like, just can be somebody else's content, you know, but yeah. you can be still be the expert by sending them somewhere else initially to get that journey started. Prime example, we're writing a business plan at the moment and I've decided to incorporate my senior members of team and I said to them, do you know what a business plan is? They were like this. And then I said, right. right. I found the most simplistic explanation for a business plan. It was probably about 300 words in length. And I sent it to them both and they just replied, fully understand what you've got to know. Awesome. In terms of kind of the, I mean, I, I see it as like a lot of people are spreading themselves way too thin on social media and I'm probably as guilty as anyone with this. And so, you know, it's one of those things you put 12 and a half percent into eight things, like what results do you expect to get from that? Yeah. And, and I think part of the, the struggle with um, social media and marketing generally is that, you know, you've got the Twitter expert who says tweet three times a day. You've got the LinkedIn expert who says post one time a day and write an article once a week. You've got the Facebook expert who says jump onto ads. You've got the Google expert who says you use google my business and everybody's just like 
what what am I, where do I start with this? So maybe for, we work with a lot of sort of coaches, consultants and freelancers and they're going to be listening to this and they're going to be thinking, well, I want to go back to basics. Where's a, where's a good place for somebody to actually start, you know, auditing their social media? Oh, big question. Uh, your content. So what the number one mistake every single person makes and the number one thing that my business set out to fix when we, we, we started was you make a post, you send the post, you forget about the post. It's ridiculous. Like repost it. Like you post it and then you think that they get this notion that, oh, nobody cares. Actually, nobody does care and nobody saw it because the algorithm at that moment in time wasn't in your favour. So use it again. Like you can make it look different, change the colour, like introduce really simplistic things that you're not doing into your into your content to make it bigger. So for example, you could make one post that was orange and then you could make it 10 different colours and you would have 10 different posts which would res- resonate with people that that colour was their favourite colour. It's that simple. It's that simple. Don't alienate by your own pref- your own preferences. We're working with a client at the moment that this that is um, the decision making process is a very is very male led, and we have a product which is very female driven. And on all, on analysing the data, you can see on Facebook and Instagram that males aged thirty five to fifty five, which resonate the people that made the creative decisions, are clicking on the content. The buying audience, which is 95% female, are ignoring it. It doesn't mean that the content's rubbish. It just means we haven't thought about them. And I think that's one of the the biggest challenges as well. You know, um, small business owners are are, are super busy all the time. So to go out and create 10 different color variations of a post, for example, can be quite challenging from a time perspective. But I think it is super important to stress that that notion of, you know, a technical term for it, split testing content ideas is super important because it's a process of like, we'll try something. Oh, this bit worked, this bit didn't. Right, let's take the bit which worked, iterate on that and improve it, right? then we split test on that and gradually through several iterations we end up with kind of the ultimate social media post that gets much more engagement than the first one what we need to do as people that weren't born with a smartphone in their hand so i was super super lucky i was in my second year of university when facebook was launched and i got the invite what is this First thing I thought was, wow, you can just chat to women online all day. Look at this. Like, this is an unbelievable tool, right? Sounds ridiculous. I did my master's in it, and it's that was like two, three years later when I completed it. It still wasn't really a thing. Okay? The, you've got to think like a, like a person that was born with a smartphone in their hand. And you only have to look at the advertising at football, Premier League football right now, most people will be oblivious to the ad, but Tottenham's ground is the best place to see it, and I hate Tottenham, but Wix, Wix Wix.com, right? All over the hoardings, all over the hoardings. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I was like, oh my word, like Wix are going to take over the world, they're advertising on Premier League football. Anybody can make a website because it was designed by a millennial for a millennial to be quick and efficient. Another product is called Canva. You're talking about the, the templates there. Me and Jules once had a, me and Jules once just to, just just to see, tried to see how many we could create in one day. 
and we did 800 using we did 800 in an eight hour window just to see what was physically possible just to dispel the myth when people say to us we haven't got the time we say no it's not that you don't have the time you don't have the process and you haven't researched your tech like canva simple design a template get that template in your mind that you're happy with it change the color change the variation what you think is a 10-hour job you can do in an hour if you select the right tech. It's, I'll, I'm with you on that because literally about five minutes before we recorded your episode this morning, I was busy making a nice thumbnail that's going to be attached to the, the video side and go into the blog with your alongside your episode. I did that in Canva and it was nice and easy, just drag and drop in some text, slap an image on there, which was your headshot. And it's kind of done. And I was like... It feels really t- satisfying because it literally took 60 seconds because I've already got that sort of template made up for the, for the blog and for the podcast. So going back to your disruptive question at the start, all of our agencies are so lowbrow about Canva that on Canva, you're like, yeah, Canva. And then they're like, oh, InDesign or Adobe, whatever, right? And it's like, why? It gets compressed down onto a mobile phone. Yeah. Like, it's going to be on a phone. They, yeah, in design, yeah, we can blow it up on the side of the Empire State Building and everyone can look at how great your design is, but people will just take a picture of it and send it to somebody that will look at it on their phone all over the world. So it's like that whole process over there is wrong because I would say for 85 to 90% of the stuff that we do, we use Canva because it goes on a mobile phone. <laughs> 100%. And it's it's really funny, actually. So one of the things which I'm getting from this conversation already is is um, the, the speed to be able to take your content to market. So being agile with it and not overthinking it, but be prepared to do a couple of different variations in order to kind of test out some different content. And I'm, I'm with you. The amount of times I'll try and, you know, um, I'll, I'll post something and then think, oh, that didn't work and just kind of bin it off. And I'll be moving, you know, the next shiny things comes along and I'll start working on that. But actually, we uh, it's also the algorithms are interesting because um for example you know what how many people it's not like our entire audience if we've got a thousand instagram followers it's not like they're all going to be online right now and the other problem the other big mistake people make is that that this is we do a presentation on this it's a key slide in our sort of uh change your mind presentation that we do around social media we bring up the top five or six social media software providers globally so you've got like hubspot uh, Hootsuite and we analyse their last time they told everybody what the best time was to post right and it's on one slide and it's all different yeah nobody <laughs> nobody agrees right because you and can the, have a thousand Instagram followers but ten are online now twenty yeah. will be online in ten minutes time yeah and will be online at lunchtime yeah you'll be online this afternoon it's like yeah. so you could actually post the same thing like eight times yeah at different times because that's everybody's on at different times. Also, you've got to think about it like this. Posting content on, on social media is about marketing yourself, which is ultimately leading a sales funnel. If you're not thinking like that right now, you're thinking about completely the wrong shit, like you need to change your mind frame. So like, if there's a thousand people online or one person online, okay? So there's a thousand people online at 12 o'clock and there's one person online at five o'clock, Right. And the, 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 the 1,000 people online at 12 o'clock, not a single person is a potential customer. The one person online at 5 o'clock is a potential customer. When's the best time to post? I'd say probably 5 o'clock. Exactly. So well, and 12 of, o'clock. Or, or, if you Google, 
When is the best time to post on social media? Six billion results come up for the search phrase. So you could spend eternity reading when the best time to post was and still not have an answer. Buffer, we, 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 are, we, we are a partner program with, they actually wrote a blog way back, maybe four or five years ago, that was about the best time to post. And then they rescinded the blog maybe two years later, and they said it was a load of nonsense. Because if we tell you to all post at eight o'clock at night, because that's the best time to post, and everybody posts at that time globally, all the content goes online in one go and doesn't get anywhere anyway. And you're like, oh, yeah. So the best time to post is when somebody who is in your target audience is online and forget about the number of people that are online at that point. Focus on the objective of getting a customer. I, I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think sometimes people kind of create these little, it's almost like they ask that question because they they don't really want to hear the answer because what it does is it creates another little barrier. Oh, I forgot to wait until five o'clock to post and then I'll forget about it because I'm busy and this, that and the other. I mean, that that's why kind of scheduling tools and things like that exist. But again, they have their, their drawbacks as well, don't they? Scheduling tools, if they're not used in the right way. Even their time consuming, you know, even their time consuming. Like we, I, I built a platform uh, in alongside Buffer really as an agency tool because I couldn't pay people to schedule content. It was ridiculous. Like, you know, we're doing half, three quarters of a million posts a month for our client base. Like, you couldn't schedule that. We would have more schedulers than we would have people creating. It just becomes very inefficient, doesn't it? Super inefficient. So you've got, again, going back, you've got to pick your tech and pick your tools. Everything is about time. Like, literally, if you can reduce your time spent doing something that can be automated go for it to spend your time being creative one of the uh, so i i we were chatting about this kind of offline before the podcast as well you kind of talk about um sort of dealing with content creation in sort of three three or four different steps don't you yeah run can you run through um for the sake of the listeners just what those kind of three or four steps are and and the thought process behind it because i think it's that's a game changer, I think, for a lot of people's kind of marketing strategy. So I am a linear person. I am not somebody who is uh, creative in the sense that I can't do design. Like, I'm dreadful at design. Like, really bad at it. Like, it's laughable, really. Um, I am definitely the worst in the office, and that's including both dogs. Um, <laughs> just to give you some idea. Um, it's a process, okay? So the number one p- mistake people make is they try to do everything all in one go and then repeat and repeat and repeat. And then that's shit because that's, that don't work either. So number one is document, which is very different to create. Okay. So number one is document. So take your pictures, generate your ideas, find your news sources, find your inspiration, get it all down in a document document. And, and, and that is documenting. That might be taking 800 pictures of your product. It might be taking 1,000 pictures of your product, whatever, making videos. That is documenting. When you've done that, organize it. Organize it into folders by, is that brand awareness? Is that product awareness? Is that sales? Is that just general marketing? Is that CSR? Put it in a folder. And then when you've done that, you have finished documenting The next point is creating. You need a very different set of skills to create than when you're documenting. It's a different part of the creativity you have to tap into. You then move to create. Use what you've documented as a body of work and work on it as a body of work. So you go through it, complete it all as a body of work, write the posts, 
format the text, make them in image infographics, whatever that might look like, and then move that to distribute. So you then have a whole body of work that you're going to put into the social media scheduling tools that will distribute over a whole period of time. And then you breathe because your social media posts are looked after. And then what you've got to do is listen to it. So you're looking for the top 10% parts of your content, be that engagements, be that comments, be that driving website traffic. You want to isolate the top 10%. And then when you go back to documenting, you use that 10% to educate yourself and focus on documenting stuff that looks like that top 10%. Then what you do is you move another body of work to create, which you're focusing on making looks like the next top 10%. And you've got a whole body of work that then looks like your top 10%. Put that into, dis into distribute and then listen again. And away it goes. You've probably done a year's worth of work in that process. And what, you're, what, what the, the keeping is, is repeat, repeat, repeat. Put your best stuff into paid ads. You know, that, that following that formula is the best way to actually get an output and actually get results. You don't get any results by just doing document, create, distribute, don't bother listening, repeat. Yeah, and I, I think you, kind of, you hit the nail on the head and this is why we were talking because I've kind of like, we're coming up for episode 70 of the podcast and then I was like, I haven't done any of the documentation. I haven't done any of kind of like that, like that batch of work which you talked about. I haven't done the, pod, uh, the, the blog articles to support the podcast yet. And now I've got to go back and do 70 episodes as a big chunk of work. So sorry for everybody's listening, but early warning sign here. We're, we're not recording any new episodes in January and February so I can actually crack on and do that big, big chunk of work to get us back up to date and probably even then it's going to be another six months before we're actually up to date with all of our content but I think again it, it go back to something which we talked about earlier on that iterative approach of like split testing looking at data and analyzing what's working what's not working and then next time you do a piece of work make it better that seems to be like a common theme which is running through here and I think it's never really about taking the time to post I think everybody does the posting but they're not listening no one listens and everybody cares too much. Right? If you post something on social media and you go out with the, 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 the thought process that nobody's going to see it and nobody actually cares and you're okay with that, then it changes what you're doing. Explain think what about, you mean by that. Well, think about it. If you're brave enough to accept that nobody might care or even see your post, then you need to stop being so anal about it. So I always say to the guys, the, 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 the philosophy that we train our creative guys with is creativity is an objective opinion. Just because you like it doesn't mean I'm going to like it. And if I don't like it, it doesn't mean what you've done is crap. It just means it doesn't resonate with me. Right? So I tell them, you have to do your very best work, but care if nobody likes it. Because what you're actually doing when you've got that philosophy, you're prepared to think to yourself, yeah, I like that one. I like that one. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Then you're giving the social media the choice. And when you give it the choice, because you've, crea you've created by doing your best work, but not caring if someone's going to like it, you're more likely to find something that's going to work. We tell the team, make 100 things. If one thing is a success, boom, we're in business. We've got something that's a success. We can build a whole campaign around that.
Hundred percent. I mean, like Rovio is uh, who they're the makers of Angry Birds. I don't know if you know this story, but Angry Birds was like the two hundred and thirty ninth app which they built. So they had two hundred and thirty eight failures, if you want to call them that, before they got to Angry Birds, which became you know multi billion dollar like worldwide phenomenon that it's become. Um, and I think it's the same with social. Like, I, 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 you don't want to put out rubbish or, or junk, but sometimes like prolific beats perfect every time. It's like being able to go out at volume and then. And ah, these are the these are the you know I've written six books. I'd say probably one was a moderate success, one's been a raving success. The other four, like nobody barely knows about them. So this is the other thing that everyone makes the mistake. So like you see as a human being between five and ten thousand images a day. If you can remember three, you've done well, right? <laughs> Okay, serious. If you remember three, you've done well. What time is it now? It's 10.40. We've probably seen 1,500-ish each already. And, I, you know, I can remember a handful. Okay. That's how it works. So no one's going no to see or remember what they came to you with in the first place. Like, you could put something out that you hate that... Loads of people go, wow, what's that? Click on it, come to your website, you collect all their social data to be able to remarket to them, and they don't remember what that image was in the first place because it was one of 10,000 things that they saw that day, but yet they were interested enough to come to your website if you've got your targeting right, that's a potential customer, then educate them differently. That's why I say, like, don't worry if nobody, you don't like it or I don't like it. Or Sometimes we have to tell the customers to fuck off, like, you don't know what you're talking about. Your colours are shit. It's all wrong. This is what the data is telling. I'm doing it anyway. You'll thank me later. Yeah. Well, they don't, they don't remember. They it, don't remember. It shows me that one, you believe in what you're doing and two, you're passionate about it enough to kind of point the client in the right direction. Like we shouldn't be bossed around by our clients. They they need us more than we need them at the end of the day. I always, I always say this to everybody in fearless business. If a client comes to you and starts telling you how to do your job, that's that's not how the that's the wrong way to do it. Two proper two proper old school business guys that I work with, lovely chaps, uh, James Taylor and James Stewart from Macaldowy in Nottingham. Top blokes. They um they Fantastic, prime example of this, like J, 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 JS, as he goes, he said, show me some data. So uh, literally one screen that showed him that all men were engaging with the content and not the target audience of 19,000 HR professionals, which is eight, five, seven. Within the next day, they'd allocated a, a female member of the team in the right age bracket to come and work with the marketing department to take what the brand looked like over there and make it look like something that she thought would, are you just like, that's exactly the response that you want from people. Not them to go, what do you mean women don't like what, I, what we've put out? It's like, no, it's not that they don't like it. It's just not their taste. It's like, that's your taste. This is their taste. Okay. Work to them because they won't remember what they've come into once they're in your funnel. They won't remember what the first image was. Social media is the acquisition which is the whole piece around your whole market. That's the access to the acquisition. Once they're acquired and you've got their data and they're into your funnel, it's down to you then to, to work them into your funnel. And, and that, that you can't, what, not, what most people do wrong is they narrow their opportunity of acquisition by not being broad enough with their content. When we're dealing with real corporate clients, we always talk to them about, this is their brand guidelines. And our first job is to get into the gray area, which quite often is 
this much, right? This much to show them that something works different to their own preconceptions of this 80 page document, yeah. right? And then with some clients, they just go to us, oh, just do what you think. And you just go, oh, blah, right. And then they go, oh, wow, how did all that happen? With, with the, you have to think, get them, get, you have to guide your client going into the gray areas until you get them to a point where they're going, right, I, I understand that the red or the purple isn't the right colour. And you're like, no, you need to think about that because blue does better for you with this massive acquisition audience. This is red, this is blue. Which one do you want, red or blue? Make it sound so easy. So how, how did you get into, how did you, where did the, the sort of, where did Gather Social come from? How did you get into kind of marketing and social media in the first place? I did... Uh, a postgraduate, a postgraduate, I did my master's degree in Australia uh, on digital and new media communication studies. And I chose it because I hated my undergrad, which was economics and Asian sociology. And I literally just opened the book, massive thing. It's like, that looks like loads of fun. Went to Australia. And then they taught us the future, which was weird because Australia is so massive. I went to Western Australia and the students were often 1,500 miles away. So we had interactive learning way before this in Australia, a very raw level. And we, we, a lot of it focused on like archiving and databasing and how we were going to communicate with each other in the future. Um, and yeah, like I came back and started working in advertising in the city um, before burnout, really, and then and then took some free, some more freelance-style uh uh, contracts with some big corporates and the one thing I realized was that the big corporates were still distributing paper like we were giving paper to customers and the customer was going is there not a video on Facebook I was talking to the marketing team saying like I've got 35,000 nurses up north that want a video on how to apply this bandage I'll literally make it on my dad tonight I need to get approval from the states I was like, I'll sell all of them, all of them. One video, I'll sell all the bandages. Like, I've, I haven't even got to do anything. I've just got to go to the nurse. Here's the video. Sold, right? She takes video with her to patient. She'll never use anything else. So I, I left. Like, I left and I was like... Well, they didn't got, take that up. They, 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 no, they, they, no, they, did, they thought that I was crazy. They thought it was a crazy suggestion um, I was just like, I, I was so mis. It, it was such a miserable. Like, it was, it was well paid, but it was a. Re- I, 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 I was on holiday in the Caribbean, all inclusive, on the bonus, and uh, I just broke down at the airport. I was like, I can't go back to this. This is soul destroying. Um, you're a name. You're a number in a machine, and I just, I'd always wanted to start my own business. I'm from a really working class upbringing from a, a mining town that lost its pit in the 80s a lot of my family were made employed I remember it I remember it happening I remember that the downturn in the town and I remember thinking to myself like looking around thinking like you can't even be clever at our school because you get beat up right there's not really any opportunities around here so looked at my options I was like probably going to be professional footballer a gangster a businessman or a fireman pretty much seemed reasonable options so 
it got to that point in my life where I was 28 and I thought, this is it. I'm going for it. I'm none of the other things, you know, never really tried any of them. So I went for it, went for it, went, went, decided that I needed to put my degrees to use and my, I've always run side hustles all of my life. And I just thought time to be a man and do this. Oh, so many questions. Uh, talk to us about the breakdown. What happened there? Um, I, I was very lucky. I travelled a lot after after um, after 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 doing my master's degree. I travelled. I had a bet with somebody that it was possible to fly to Singapore from Australia and make it back to mum and dad's house in Not- Hooknell in Nottingham without flying um, for a tenner whilst hammered. So we set, I set off about completing this bet and had, a, had a, the adventure of a lifetime. It was unbelievable. It did 40,000 Ks overland throughout the world. It was, it was some journey. And I got home, broke, like literally, I had a cheap suit from Vietnam to my name and that was it. And started work and started to do, I got a job in advertising and was good at it. Like started making like footballer style money straight almost straight off the bat like i went from vietnamese suit to living in a penthouse in six months six ten months a year maybe maybe a year living in a penthouse in a year with like designer clothes ridiculous way of living and i just lost it that has lost the plot i did it for like two and a half years i was working mad hours um I, I, I was dealing, not dealing with problems of the past. And yeah, I, I, I found myself going to, I found myself being told that I probably should go to hospital um, and be hospitalised for a month because of lack of sleep, alcohol consumption, not really eating properly. Um, so that was the wake up call that I need, really needed to do some. Do, do, do so you're some, kind of burying, burying yourself in work and, and you know, substances, alcohol and stuff like that. And it was work and play. Yeah, work hiding, and play. hiding, you know, masking a lot of what was really going on for you. And it, it, more to the point, I didn't enjoy the job. I just enjoyed the thrill of making the money. And when I, when I eventually, I, 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 I found an amazing uh, therapist and life coach, a lady called Catherine Redding up in Nottingham. She's amazing, amazing. Um, made me see the value in myself and made me see um, the value of money. So I left the job, took a 50% pay rise, pay cut, and had more money. Go figure. How, how did that work? I was wait at, The job was fueling all the rubbish. So all I was doing was going to work to give it to bars, pubs, restaurants, and lifestyle. Right, and then going back to work, repeat, go back to work, repeat, repeat, repeat. We analysed my bank statement and we worked out what I was spending on this lifestyle. And then we realised that we could quite easily take a pay decrease by that volume of money if we stopped doing it. Yeah, and what was the upside? So apart from having more money, what was the upside? For moving jobs? Yeah. uh, Gym, was able to rediscover my love for the gym. I... um, was able to apologise to my dad for being an arsehole to him for a number of years, rebuilt my entire relationship with my parents, which I'd nearly destroyed. Um, Family members just talking to me and like actually seeing the person that I was as a child and as a teenager with them and not this person that had become obsessed with 
money and sales and the fast life, bah, 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 bah. And it, it took a lot, it took a while, but that was the biggest upside. And I think that the position that I hold within my family environment right now is the, is the greatest prize um, that I've got. So it sounds to me, Sam, like what you were trying to achieve in amongst all of that was this kind of set sense of balance. So how did you manage to achieve that? And then how did that sort of lead into what you're doing with Gather Social? So I got the balance by taking um, an adult job, as I probably described it at the time. Um, and it was an area reps job, which was very, uh, very educational based role, primarily with a, a big, um, with 3M Healthcare, actually. And it just gave me balance completely because I was able to actually uh, listen to the Radio 4 and I listened to Radio 4 for three years uh, whilst doing this job and realised I had an opinion, realised I had, I could understand what was going on. So therefore I was educated and it just gave me the time to consume stuff to sort of maybe think about me and what I wanted to do. And it, it became really obvious that I wasn't, challenging myself at all in that job, hence me setting up my own business, which I think what I'd learned in that time was that I had the time to be able to, needed the time to balance what I thought I wanted to do and then work out how I was going to execute that. And really that when when you look at what we've achieved with Gather Social and where Gather Social is my business right now, it's kind of like we've gone through a period of unbalance. So we've gone through a period where I had to be unbalanced when I started it, 16-hour days, you know, the grind, the hustle, and then you get staff and you readdress the balance at that point. And we're going through a balance period right now at Gala Social. It's kind of like we're writing a business, a new business plan, and we're focusing around happiness, healthiness, and sustainability. And what that means is that that identifies that, there are three core things that you need to focus on as a human being to be to be generally functioning properly. So happiness, healthiness, and sustainability. And we're trying to link the three pieces together. So we understand that if you love your job and you're exceeding at it, then you are happy and you commit loads of hours to it. That doesn't make it healthy and it definitely doesn't make your commitment to it sustainable. So what we're really working on as a business right now is sort of taking all my learns from my own mental health and my own, the the way that I've broken myself in the past and, and applying it to a business that could just go, and just, just, collect cash, collect cash, collect cash, collect cash. And then it will just go, because everyone will be knackered, unhealthy and not sustainable. So we're really focusing on on that and, and trying to understand what that means to each individual employee as well. Because ultimately at the end of the day, you know, it's about enjoying it as much as it is about doing it as well. And it's just trying to get that balance because especially this year, we've been so busy and I've watched the team and myself become so tired that, you know, I'm in a situation whereby if I don't work, there's not a great deal for me to do other than go to the gym. And I've realised over the last couple of months that that's actually become unhealthy. Even though it's making me happy, it's actually making me unhealthy because it's not sensible to just do six hours work on a Sunday morning because there's nothing else to do. Like, okay, there's Netflix, and but find something else to do that's not 
that's not doing that because that's not going to make the business better. It's going to just wear you out. So that's what I'm trying to work on with balance and taking my, my lessons from balance in the past. There's a, there's a great book called Letting Go, which was written some, I think, 40, 50 plus years ago. And uh, in it, the author talks about the 16 levels of consciousness. And you've got eight which kind of fall below the line. They're all quite negative around sort of guilt, shame and various things like that. And then you've got eight which sit above the line. Um, the pinnacle of that being, can't remember them exactly, but I think it's around what you're talking about, like peace, joy, happiness. In fact, I think peace is the 16th. Is that it's that when you reach that point of inner peace, that's that's the ultimate pinnacle of understanding of oneself. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like, and, and part of you know, letting go is you have to you have to you can only be at one of those levels at any one point in time. You have to let go of the previous level, so you can't. You've got to let go of shame before you move into guilt. You've got to let go of guilt before you move into anger. You've got to let go of anger before you, and and so it progresses all the way up through the 16 different levels. And I think if you learn that stuff and you can consciously commit to having value with it, so you, you, you don't just read it and toss it off. Like you read it and then you think about it and you ponder on it and then you think about what the significance of that is. It's actually a very linear way to behave and yes. to, to, to develop. And what you actually do with those things is you learn how to cope. And I would say... For me, learning how to cope with what was quite a complex mental health condition, I remember being told, I was like, shit, that don't sound good. I went and sat in my car and I was like, whoa, no, what does that actually mean? And I was like, I went back to work and I, and I went to see my mum and then I realised it was, right, actually, this is about coping. And, and, and to anybody that is suffered or is suffering or has suffered, there is a formula to it. Like, it is it is formulaic and it is unfortunately it's a no not unfortunately fortunately it's repetitive habits and if you do something that has a positive impact keep doing it it's like when the gym reopened um after this lockdown it was like all of the all of the lunatics of the past all descended on it at exactly the same time because we all needed to get in there and do our work and like that, that's how for, for many people, that's how staying, uh, having the right balance of happiness, healthiness and sustainability, it's driven out of the gym and they have to go to the gym. Others, it's running. Others, like my mum's really taken during lockdown to doing puzzles and it's massively helped her, massively helped her. Just three or four hours a day doing a uh, jigsaw puzzle has massively helped her. So it's small, sustainable things can lead you to happiness and, and healthiness. I've just started um, over the last lockdown, started taking for my, because obviously the night's drawing over the winter and I hate the winter, but going for night walks with the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and the moon's out and it's cold and you can see, the other night I saw half a dozen shooting stars and I was like, if I hadn't have pushed myself to put my clothes on in the dark, go out in the cold, take the dog for a walk, walk up onto the common, which pitch black, there's nothing around, I never would have had the opportunity to see something like that. You know, I've never seen more than one in a night before and then to see six in the space of about 12 minutes was just spectacular wow and, and, and that that's that's I, I remember now thinking back to the, the point that I sought out to get help it was ironic I, I hadn't kicked a football in years and years and my director convinced me that it would be good for my career if I went to play football with them and they were rubbish and even though I'd not kicked football in years I was the best player <laughs> and I, I enjoyed it and the, just even scoring past anybody I enjoyed it and I it's not a coincidence that 
I carried on playing the fo- football and I, I got up to a couple of times a week and got back to being quite good again pretty quickly. Um, but it really interestingly, my, uh, my therapist asked me if I swam and I was like, I do, I do swim. Yeah, I really enjoy the water. And she was like, I would encourage you to swim. And I got up to 150 lengths a day. Wow. And it was at that point when people were walking past me in the street and they didn't recognize me because I'd lost so much weight and I'd stop them and say, all right, mate, how are you doing that? Who are you? Wow. And I was like, something's happened here. Like there was this whole weird period where I'd executed all of the things. And then the therapist was actually saying to me, you are well, you are, you are so in the groove that you think that coming here is part of you staying well. She's like, you don't need to come here anymore. And I ended up having, I ended, <laughs> I ended up going to a house instead because every now and then, she, I, 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 six months after like breaking the habit, you're like, oh, I'm completely fine. And now if I got, if I would have a chat with her, which is like maybe once or twice a year, once a year, this is hard to put up. Like, I just bring her up and they just talk on the phone about stuff. And because she knows me, she'll say, maybe you're thinking that because of this. And um, well, yeah, like I, one of the things that my, me and my family have identified about me as a person is that I'm extremely kind, which is my dad's fault, actually. My dad's the kindest person I've ever met. And actually that can make you quite vulnerable when you're super kind because people play on that. So yeah, we, we, we've talked recently as a family about sometimes I'm too kind and we just I just need to just be careful with being so kind. Yeah, well, you've been, we're very grateful because you've been incredibly generous with everything on, that you've shared with us on the podcast. And I, I don't think enough people are, are talking about mental health in this day and age. And sadly, though, we do have, we've got to wrap up the episode. But um, I've got a couple of questions, though, on the practical, tactical side of it. Um, you know, what, what's, what's happening with Gather Social in 2021? What have you got to look forward to? Oh, everything. We everything. We've got everything to look forward to. We've just gone live with our partnership, uh, global partnership with Buffer. So, Proving proves that our idea is 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 good. We're we're on the same list as Microsoft and if this then that. There's only about thirty others. So uh, we've got we've got the learning that that's going to bring us and the development that that's going to bring us. Um, the team's doubled. We've got a content studio come online. Um, we've just recently we just recently got some training via Facebook, which sort of indicated that we were top six thousand advertisers globally. So. It feels like we know what we're doing. Um, and we've, we've having some amazing results with clients, like some ridiculous increases in sales. Like one of them was like 983% of a new, cl- their new client. So yeah, just get, we, we've worked hard on structure and hierarchy and positions and, and culture across the last three to six months. And actually looking forward to going into next year and executing that. Well, that, that, that can, I always say to people, there's, there's three things that happen when you're going to go through your next phase of growth. The first one is you slow down. So you consolidate. The second one is you create some extra space for yourself because you've consolidated. Now all of a sudden the world's opened up a little bit. And the third thing is there's going to be, there will be probably some investment of money, which goes into that as well, but you're going to hit that trajectory of growth quicker than if you just tried to push through it for the previous six months and try and like do that. Whereas if you just allow the business to flatline for a bit, then all of a sudden the growth is going to do that, you know, it's make a massive difference. We've we've given ourselves the date of the 27th of January, which was to completely train the new staff and the new staff pass probation and be a fully fledged member of the team. So we've got sort of that 
late January, early February, we've we've got a business sort of business development and plan in place. We've we know the customers and the, we've been collecting data and we've got a marketing strategy to go out with it. And yeah, we're 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 really just focused on wanting to get the close out our financial year, which is March. Assess the, the the position of the business at that point and make any additional hiring decisions. And then really just we we we've spoken as a team that it's only us v us. Like nobody comes in every month and goes, oh my god, you do like it's just us. So it's like that's where the sustainability comes into it. Like we've looked at what we want to achieve over the next three years, and we've said micro this is what we need to do to achieve that and we're just going to focus on doing all the things in an order that we've attained to do it and it's we don't want to grow like like this we want to go along happy healthy and sustainably and that what i believe will make us grow faster anyway it's a, a good message uh, final question so we're going to jump into the fearless business um, time machine you get to, it's a bit better than the delorean on back to the future by the way yeah. and less iranians with guns we get to, um, you get to punch in the dates. We're going to go back in time. You're going to have a word with Sam T minus X number of years. So when is it? And what would you tell him? I would go back to, this is mad because this would change my complete destiny. I would go back to the guy who got in the car and went to university with his parents. And I would tell him that he's going to end up where he ends up now anyway so what he's about to embark on it doesn't matter what anybody thinks of him just enjoy it and go and go and and, and go with the flow and don't worry about where you're from or how you speak or you've not been to this skiing lodge but you don't even know there are such things as skiing lodges for example this wasn't even i didn't even know this happened don't worry that you've only been to greece like the world's your oyster and you will find it at your own path and in your own pace like don't don't waste time worrying about the experiences that you didn't get because of your where you are from just worry about who you are and where you are now and you are there on merit and everybody else's opinion of you is irrelevant as long as you believe in yourself Lovely. I think that's a really strong message. I don't think there's enough belief, inner belief in many people in this day and age, especially with everything that's gone on in the world. I think everybody could take something from that that they need to just, just you know, nobody else is going to do the believing for you. Just bloody do it yourself. <laughs> I've spent too many years um, believing my own version of what society believed I should be based on where I was from and the experiences that I've had which is just completely ridiculous. <laughs> it's like completely ridiculous. It's just, nothing is predefined. And Sam, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. I just want to say thank you very much for your honesty on this episode. I don't think we've had anybody who's opened up about mental health in the 70 plus episodes we've done. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. And I'm sure all of our listeners are. And what we'll do is we'll share details about Gather Social and all of your uh, uh, social media links into the um, show notes. So if people want to reach out to you, that they can. Um, and I, I, I'm very excited for you about what's going to happen, especially with the link up with Buffer. I think you're very humble about that, but that's a big deal. Um, very excited for you about what 2021 holds so um, it's been really great to speak to you thank you Sam thank you so much for having me on